What's up, people? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? You there? Yeah, this is Steve from Voices from the Dark. This is an intro I'm doing to this current episode that you're listening to. Before I jump into that, just wanted to let you know that Voices from the Dark has is still around. We're actively looking for people to be on the show. So if that's you, if you're an artist or anybody who wants to talk about any kind of special field that you're in, just let me know. Musicians are always welcome. Uh, artists, visual artists. The more sound artists we can get, the best, the better. Um, in addition to that, Voices from the Dark is going to start featuring some beer podcasting, maybe even some wine part podcasting, some other shit. We got some uh, affiliated websites coming out from Born from the Dark, short stories, some film projects that you might be hearing about. But really what I'm trying to do right now is introduce you to the current episode. And that is featuring Jim Basada from England. We recorded a an interview, a conversation really, as you know we do, on October 26th, 2019. That was a Saturday. We did it out in my backyard. It's pretty cool. Jim Basada has a new project called Rookling. He's a young musician who has been in Berlin for like 13 months. His new project is called Rookling. Like I said, you're going to hear some of his songs. One of those songs is All My Cases, which is an exclusive first recording slash sneak peek. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. I don't know if we've ever done that before, but I'm happy to share his music and also be the first one to record his stuff and, you know, Give him that little little media assistance. Uh, and another song he's got called Football in the Field, which is which he had already recorded, and you'll hear that at the end of the episode. So without further ado, I don't think I have any other things to tell you people. Just keep listening. Keep coming back to VoicesFromTheDark.com so you can check out, you know, what's what's coming out, what's you know, what's on the horizon. Uh, as usual, always looking for more people to collaborate. So get in touch if that's your thing. If not, just keep listening. Peace. Here we go. Here we Here go. We yeah. So this is Steve, and I'm speaking with Jim. I said it right, Jim, right? And your name, you haven't actually told me your name yet. That's the Steve. first time you've told me your name. Oh, shit. Yeah, but, but we've Steve met. and Jim. We have. Yeah, didn't so we can do like an official handshake. Right? We just nice hands. to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. So, um, yeah, what's up, Jim? How's it going? Good. We, going? I mean, we already sort of had a conversation before this, so it's a little always a little weird, but um, it was yeah. logistical. Yeah, now we we just met up at Hermann Platz uh, in Neukölln, Berlin, Dunkin Donuts. at the in front of the Dunkin' Donuts. Got a couple of beers here as usual. Some kind of s drinks are always on hand and voices from the dark. And we're kicking back on some plastic chairs on a hand-built desk. So now this is relaxing time, so I'm feeling quite relaxed. All right, cool. Yeah, and this is my backyard, by the way. Yeah. In same nook-room. Mm. I'm doing very well. I was working a bit this morning, teaching some English. Oh, really? And um, this afternoon I'm visiting. Well, I've, I've got a friend visiting. And that pretty much means the rest of the day off. Mm. Visiting from where? From England. Okay. From your, from where you're from? I or? think he lives in Birmingham right oh, now. Okay. Yeah. 
So you're you're from England. Tell tell me about that. I'm like from England. I'm yeah. from the uh, very modest part of England. It's um, called Hertfordshire. It's um, pretty but not stunning. Because I'm from a little village, um, and cool. yes, so I'm I'm from a, a very sort of modest part of the world, um, near London. In a very so nice people place. wear a lot of clothes. People wear a lot of clothes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> so what do you mean? Like, what what makes it modest? Is oh, it's because it's not stunning. And it's you wouldn't you wouldn't visit that place. You really? Know? You'd you'd stay there. I mean, you'd you'd stay there if you wanted to work in London, mm. or you'd stay there if you wanted to visit mm. London. Um, but it doesn't have any big centers of attention. Mm. No, um, no bars, no pubs. Yeah, no kind of big unis or mm. big nightclubs or big uh, sort of famous cathedrals or anything. Mm. It's quite a hideaway. I don't know. You're making it sound appealing now. You know, yeah. it's, it's got none of the bullshit that it's like you see. You see it. You see everywhere. Yeah, cathedrals especially. I'm like <laughs> done with cathedrals. We got one cathedral to be fair. Oh. Um, is it? It's a church though. It's like a small cathedral. Maybe? It's a it's, it's it a smallish cathedral. Yeah. Um, but it's it's definitely got some appeal to it. Yeah. Hertfordshire. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, I mean, and I'm glad I grew up there. I'm glad I grew okay. up in the. Why is that? Like in a small place. Mm. What what kind I of uh, I wouldn't want to regret it. I don't mm. know. I look around where I live now, Berlin, since mm. I've been living here for 13 months, okay. and I couldn't imagine being a child here or a teenager. Mm. And I'm glad to have had the freedom of running around um, fields and forests and a sense of... I'm glad to have had that contact with nature as well because it strikes me more and more how a lot of people who grew up in, say, London, which is not so far away from me, or in Berlin, they would have had far, far less, um, you know, interaction with things like uh, bird watching and, and plant spotting and picking wild mushrooms and things like that. I've, I've never been a massive ornithologist, but, you know, those kind of things I've got some awareness of and they bring quite a lot of joy in into life so can you pick up birds now like in berlin do you see birds that you have seen over there pigeons well <laughs> i guess pigeons are everywhere yeah um aside no. from pigeons well, and sparrows I, um i have quite a limited knowledge of birds okay um i but i do think i spot them you mm. know I, I look out for them so i can i can sp tell a sort of a kestrel from a kite from a buzzard and An i can kestrel? a kestrel shit i don't know what that is in a kite you don't mean an actual kite you mean a bird yeah, like a yeah. red kite. And I, no <laughs> and I know what a say a rook is. from a crow from a raven. Shit. Okay, cr ravens and crows, I think I can do. Yeah. But a rook? Yeah. Okay, now you got to... I, I love ravens. I love the blackbirds. Yeah. So you got to tell me, what, what's, a, what's a rook? So I could spot one. Could I, could I describe one? It, I, like I'm, what's the I'm sure it's got a, a white beak and a shorter beak. What? And it's got... It looks a bit um, scruffier. Um, and, and less elegant, it has to be said. Oh. Um, I don't I know. Like I think it. it's got a slightly cheeky aspect. Mm. And it's right. got a, a certain cry as well, which is apparently quite distinctive. Well, li like a crow? Like the cawing? But a different different but kind of cawing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. I got to look that up. Yeah. I like birds too, I guess. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but you're from New York, right? There's not so much. No, yeah, there's variety. not too many birds. Um, I would say. Yeah, obviously pigeons and sparrows. Yeah. Shit, I guess some woodpeckers every once in a while. 
Already. What Packers maybe? Oh, there's like some famous Hawks or Falcons in Central Park, but oh, I like Falcons, I'm not yeah. I'm not from that area anyway, so Okay. Yeah. Um yeah, not too many birds. But also again, I'm not an ornithologist either, so no. or even remotely. Well I I inherit a lot of this from my grandma taking me on walks. Mm. I think it may let's say I'm half Italian, so okay. I've got I've got <coughs> what half? Uh, my dad. For he would take he would take us. I'm also half Italian, so I'm you? Yeah. I'm from the lake I'm Lake Como. Oh okay, in, the north. in Lombardy, yeah. How yeah. about you? It's from the south, Sicily. Uh, never uh, been. Really? Never dared. Nah, it's <laughs> a beautiful, tranquil place. But I heard about Sicily that when things are going well in Italy, they call themselves Italians. And when things are going badly, they call themselves Arabic. And that's from a Sicilian. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a funny joke. <laughs> I mean, it could be true too, but I wouldn't know. Yeah, probably I, I've never heard that before. Probably not. Yeah. Especially yeah. the way things are right now in Italy, I don't think people would be calling themselves Arabs. No. They do recognize that Sicily is made up of all these different cultures and people, and they, that's everybody's well aware of that. I used to know, well, I still know <laughs> a um, folk musician from Sicily, mm. and uh, he played wonderful, wonderful music. And you could, you could feel the influence of things like um, gypsy music, Spanish music, Arabic music, Italian music. Like the Tarantella or something? Yes. Or did he play that, that yeah, kind of stuff? That was about it. Mm. And a big sort of tambourine-like drum. Mm. Tambour. Tambour, that's, that's the word, isn't it? Tambour, Is it? yeah. I, I actually don't know. I should know, I guess. But I'm also a bit of a musician, but yeah, I do less of that than anything at this point. Right. You know, podcasting and writing. Yeah, that's what I do. But um, So you're a musician. Yeah. That's cool. I love having musicians on. I remember when I, I had like no musicians and, and the first musician, who was the first musician? Yeah, I think it might have been an Italian guy that I found that met in, uh, in, the, sub, in the U-Bahn. Nice. And from then I was, I was like, I should have more musicians because they always have some other, they have audio to share. Yes. And a podcast is audio. So it just, I don't know why I didn't think of it before. Like I was doing all these interviews with, you know, like visual artists, you know, which is a little weird for yeah, the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of talking about what the picture looks like. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I have to talk about what the music sounds like, I guess. What's that? Uh, I'll bring I mean, out another could, phrase. You could. Talking about music is like dancing about architecture. Talking about music is like dancing about architecture. Yeah, I like that. Who said that? Oh, I don't like, know. That's a famous one. Yeah, mm. it wasn't me. Mm. I'm not going to take credit for that, as much as I'd like to. Well, well yeah. you did say it, so you... you Brought it on I made myself look more airways. cultured by doing it. Yeah, that was a that was a, a peacocking. Yeah, is that what that is? Peacocking. Yeah, I was oh, peacocking. Okay. That's my ornithologist <laughs> phrase. <laughs> so uh, yeah, tell me about your music. Like uh, your uh, you, uh, so Jem has a guitar here. Yes. And, uh, yeah. Um, just in case, I, I will talk about it first. Cool. I've just I've just for the first time managed to put a finger on it and what it is. Because it's quite a young project, the whole writing my own music thing. And it's just recently that I've launched the project under its own title. Um, and that title is Rookling. So the, the, the chick of a, of a rook bird. That's a Very cool. ornithologist name. And, uh, and what would you call that? It's like a, you foreshadowed that, sort of. Yes, exactly. In some way, yeah. Exactly. Cool. And I don't sing about birds that much I'm sure there's come up a bit but I do but, take a lot of that English influence from 
folk music, from folk knowledge, folk poetry, and let's say high arts, um, classical influence, and classical poetry. Are you trained classically uh, in music or not in something else? To a not to a level that most people would say. I'm trained classically. I'm not conservatory trained, but I did have a thorough grounding in classical theory. A thorough grounding. A thorough. Yeah. Oh, a thorough grounding, not a thorough grounding. No. I thought no. it was like, hmm, what is that? I don't even know what that no, means. No, I had a thorough grounding in right. classical theory when I was a kid because my parents are both quite musical, very musical. So um, I'm, with this project, um, I'm bringing English influences into, let's say, the, 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 the popular side of folk music or the folk side of pop music. Um, that is not performing traditional songs, um, which is what a lot of the folk scene in England is about, but writing my own songs and making them sound, as someone told me, 200 years old. Oh, cool. Very cool. I like that. That's a cool idea. And the name of the project? Brooklyn. Oh, oh Jesus. Yeah. I'm I have the worst short-term memory. Yeah, Maybe yeah. I should but stop drinking. <laughs> he, he says as he takes another mm. swig of the beer. So yeah. Um, yeah, you know, that's uh, it's part of the whole thing with the podcasting. Is like uh, I like the fact that I could just make those mistakes, and I guess personally for me, you know, in the, in my podcasting philosophy, I think it's fine. You know, I think it's fine. I think uh, you might call me an interviewer, an interviewer, but I really don't feel that way. Um, so I'm trying not to call these interviews but conversationalist uh, yeah because yeah. the difference between co interviewer and conversationalist is that one of them it's it's like a skill that you have to try hard for and the other one is a natural skill oh, okay you know then one you'd say uh, someone in a pub is a good conversationalist mm. and that's that's a very um prestigious natural skill i think mm. you have that mm. yeah perhaps um yeah so maybe interviewers I don't know. I guess you can look at it uh, in the reverse as well. Like an interviewer is actually not showing skill. I mean, because if the interviewer is the skilled one, is that what you meant? They're, they're, they're the ones who they're like professional and they try. They're trying at it. They're like trying to uh, achieve some kind of, you know, mm, level of, you know, I don't know, quality or. Um, precision mm. and maybe the conversationalist is actually the one who has skill like actual skill even though it was not a trained skill it's a natural skill as you said i think that that there's, there's something to be said for that yeah and, it, and maybe an interviewer actually does a crappier job yeah maybe that yeah possibly i think it's like being <coughs> a waiter I, I used to wait tables as mm. many of us did and um the more you, the more that somebody is aware of you being good, actually, the less good you are. Well, part of the, I th I'd say a lot of the skill of the social part of waiting is effacing yourself at all moments other than the ones that where you are you know, essential to, to what's happening. Right, like if they ask you a recommendation. Or exactly, or if, if the conversation's a little bit dead on the table and you liven things up with a smile and then you slip away to let them take over conversation. Mm. Put a lot of thought into that. No, I, I, I like uh, the bar and restaurant and uh, the hospitality industry. So, mm. 
I can relate to that. As cool. a as a guest, mm. as a conversationalist, both. Yeah, yeah. I've been a waiter, bartender, busser, dishwasher for like two weeks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the worst. Yeah, <coughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Tell me more about the. So you write folk songs, and yes. Try to make them sound two hundred years old. What kind yes, of? Yes, I, I. It doesn't come from such a conscious drive to make them sound like that but i um read a lot of uh, that's that's the language that i found beautiful and that's that's when when my standard of when when i'm writing and i think i want to write something beautiful that's the standard which i hold myself to so that's how it comes out okay do you consider yourself to be a songwriter or a guitarist like wh what do you s how do you see yourself as an artist or as a creative the way that things have turned up to the up to this point have it is that I'm a singer songwriter and what that means is that I'm not as good a singer as the singers or as good a guitarist as the guitarists and what I mean is the people who sort of you know the, the conservative the jazz people um, or maybe the pop people but my strongest suit is definitely songwriting and the rest I'm I'm pulling up with me mm -hmm. um, to make those songs to put those songs in the uh, best possible presentation. Mm. Okay. So you would be open to, say, write songs and have other people perform them? Like, let's say you found a singer and a guitarist and a keyboardist. And I think I'm a bit too vain for that. Too vain? Yeah. But also, I, I wouldn't write the same songs for them. I'd love to do that. Okay. But it would be... I'd write it deliberately for them. I wouldn't pass on these same songs that I've written for myself. That's mm. the thing as well. I've written these songs for myself as a as someone with quite a folky voice and quite a folky uh, guitar style. Um, and that is now a package. It's the Rookling package, mm. you know, that I've been developing. Um, absolutely, I'd love to. I'd love to write songs for other people. Mm. But it, um, I don't think they would be able to. I think it would then become too idiosyncratic the style of of songs that i do for myself mm. well when they wouldn't it be up to sort of up to them to sort of interpret it possibly possibly yeah i think it's interesting that you say that you're a songwriter <coughs> that plays and sings yeah because uh yeah it seems like you're all three maybe maybe they're not as separable as you say it's maybe possible, yeah. and I think so I say it. Because you said, you know, maybe you're too vain. Can you say more about that? What <laughs> do you mean by that exactly? Um, I want to be taking the credit for the things that I make. Oh, okay. But you would still get credit for s writing the song. I want to be the one in the spotlight. Uh, ah, that, okay. Now that's you have it. Now I, I want to be on okay. the stage. Ah, okay, good. So you're a performer as well. Absolutely, gotcha, absolutely. Gotcha. Right, cool. That's come less naturally for you. So the reason I put it in that way is mm. that I began as a writer and then okay. became a performer and then became a singer-songwriter. Mm. And I think the the extent to which those things come naturally to me or the things that have shone out um, are also in that order. I The songwriting has been quite relatively um, frictionless. Mm. I've never found it a struggle to do that. The performing is something that I've had to spend a lot of um, time and tears working on. Mm. Crafting. Exactly. And so... And still am, mm. of course, both of them. So 
you started out writing songs or writing other things? When I was very young, I wrote stories. And in the same way as Joni Mitchell apparently said, she's a painter waylaid by music. I think I'm a writer waylaid by music and will eventually go back to some sort of prose writing. Mm, I like in that. teenage years, I went off the writing a bit, as many of us do, and um, gradually came back to it through poetry slowly and very late relatively to my life and to some other people who say, you know, well, they've always written songs. Well, I, I started writing my own songs when I was 20, I think, and now I'm 23. So relative to my life, it's like the, um, the last portion and that it makes that feel quite fresh as well. Mm. Very cool. So songwriting and then came, um, uh, so you started writing, well, actually, so three years ago, you started writing songs. Yeah. Uh, before that, did you do any other kind of performance? I did some theatrical performance. Okay. I used to be, I used to act. And so did you enjoy that? I did. Yeah. I think that's where I got my taste for the for the stage, stage from. Yes. Um, and I picked that up when I was maybe thirteen or something like that, and did that for some time at school and some time at university. For you, like y- years or? Yeah, a few years. Wow. Yeah. Do you feel like you are a better? musical performer because of your experience in theater i would probably i would just say yes i'm easier under the spotlight right okay so what kind of stuff did you learn like just how to be calm or like what's what what kind of uh lessons can you learn as a theater let's say a theater player Mm. what kind of lessons can you learn from that that you can bring into music one big thing is delivery and I would suggest that's less about the way you sing, but more the way you speak to the crowd um, in between songs, introductions, so that you're not mumbling or saying irrelevant things. Not that I've never mumbled or said irrelevant things in a stage performance, but um, that's something which I can criticize in myself th- through what I've learned in acting. And another big thing is conceptualizing who am I speaking to? What kind of figures am I conjuring? Even if I'm performing solo alongside myself through the things that I say, imagine that it's a monologue, a one person show. Um, you have to conjure up the lover to whom you're addressing the song. And that, that sort of imagined presence um, and the way that you look at them, even if you're looking into the distance is something that people latch onto. Mm. So, um, that whole realm of thinking um, I came quite late to applying Mm. to my solo performances okay so when you first started performing you were just you just went out on the stage performing music you went out on the stage and you did your best and then only after you started to think oh maybe I should have done it this way or that way and you were thinking of your referring to your theater uh, yes I think that's a good uh, analysis of how it worked over three years and will right. work over the next three years right. and more. Um, I think it's also important to give credit to the fact that standing up on stage for the first time and playing your own songs is terrifying. So you have to get over that fear first mm. and then you have to think, could I deliver that better? Could I sing that better? Then you've got to think. Then gradually as you get over the different obstacles, you have more space in your mind to 
um, to improve various aspects. Mm. But at the beginning, I was absolutely terrified. Yeah, can imagine. I've performed a couple times. I don't think I'm ever 100% comfortable. Like even now, mm. I try to do the podcasts, you know, being as comfortable as possible. That's like my uh, aesthetic or whatever for the for the for voices from the dark. And uh, yeah, I'm like this way that we're doing it right now is even. I'm trying to be even more relaxed. Yeah. Just like you know. Is it the same it thing internally that makes you uncomfortable when you're on stage singing? as now yeah it's um the perceived criticism of the uh you know interlocutor the per per person that i'm speaking with or or with the audience right. <coughs> who might be listening it's my perceived criticism from them yeah which is i guess you would probably just call that like self-criticism yes but i I honestly don't think self-criticism is that uncomfortable for me because I do it all the time and I'm like literally every day, all day. Yeah. And I'm never uncomfortable with that. I think it really does have to do with my my belief that there is some, you know, some kind of criticism already in the minds of the people I'm speaking with or the audience. I definitely engage with that. I'm sure a lot yeah. of people do. So, yeah. I don't think it gets easier, but <coughs> you, you get less uncomfortable i think maybe it's either you numb it out or you find ways to perform despite it yeah or perform with it even yeah so uh tell me about one of your songs maybe if you can if want if you want to sure like maybe the the background behind a song name of a song there's one coming out soon, which is called Football in the Field. And I wrote it. I wrote that line. And it was I thought it was one of the songs that was going to end up being part of the 90% nonsense. I remember Ned Mortimer talked about that in his podcast. 90% nonsense um, or 99% nonsense mm. and 1% gold. And it ended up being a song that people really loved. And I was quite baffled by that. It's about the football reference is about me not being a very good footballer and everyone wanting to play football at school and more generally not being part of that group mm. and the longing, the yearning to be part of that group when it was kind of impossible. That wasn't because I was not good at football. It's because I uh, maybe didn't get along well with them, but mm. I, I really want to be part of that football crowd, you know, the boys. So one of the lines is, now and then I feel the weight of not belonging that sums it up for me another thing to say about the song is a literary influence an unexpected one which is where the wild things are mm. um, beautiful book I, re I was really touched by the film always have been since I saw it when I was something like 12 I can't remember when it came out in 2008 there's a film by Spike is it Spike Jones Spike Jones which um, brings out Max's sort of rage and solitude and it, a really touching film. And so when it comes to the, all the part about him being king of all the monsters, mm. the wild things, um, I use some references to that as well. So 
that's what the song's about. And it's because, you know, the, the, the hook is football in the field and the chorus is just the words now and then, now and then, now and then. Um, and so it felt, it, often, it, it for a long time felt like quite an alchemical song because I never set out to express those things or never expressed them directly in words. Mm. I feel lonely, blah, blah, blah. It was something that was communicated despite these quite strange motifs like um, a scepter of a king or a crown and, um, and football and that people felt through the song. And I thought, well, what is it that people like about this song? And then I had to reanalyze it in my own head afterwards mm. and, and saw the meaning that it had for me. Mm. And that is um, the first single that I'm releasing under Rippling. And I think that's quite appropriate. Cool. And do you have that track to share uh, for the podcast? Or I do. Yeah? I'll cool. send that to you. Very cool. I can just insert it, um, you know, anywhere, probably at the end. Right. Um, or in the beginning. Yeah. Or here. Or right here, yeah. We can, <laughs> we can like, do a little clap. Yeah. And, and yeah, you want to do a clap? A little louder, I think. Perfect. All right, so that was a great song. <laughs> now, we haven't actually listened to it just now, but if you're listening to this, that's another weird thing about podcasting is the time delay because yeah. this is not broadcast. It's not uh, live. I call it semi-live. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I call it semi-live because this conversation won't be edited at all. could be broken up, like inserting a, a musical piece or some other kind of audio um, work. But, yeah. <coughs> it is strange. You have to leave this conversation this creation that you have in the past and then present it to people as if it's the the latest thing yeah and that's a difficult thing to do i think so i mean i've i did it 40 times or so so it's not too like the way i do it it's, it's not too complicated but yeah it does get a little weird you know especially if uh i'm inserting the tracks and not listening to it at, you know, at, like we could actually take a break, listen to the song, and then come back, and that's would, that would be where we insert the, the yeah, track. Yeah, that's idea, yes. yeah. There you go. Do you want to take a break and listen to it? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Do you have it here somewhere? Uh, I've got it like on, on your phone. phone? Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. I've got a guitar as well. Oh, you can sing it. I could sing it, yeah. To oh, you. Or, that or that or would be a shame not to record that, though. That's true. Yeah. We would just have to set up the mics uh, so that you're sitting here being able to sing into the microphone and this microphone will pick up the guitar because otherwise yeah. it, it sure. like i said these mics don't pick up like ambient sound so all right let's take a break and uh set that up and yeah we'll do a semi-live performance of gem Too many faces, carry on. 
and all my cases, me and all my songs, me and all my picture postcards, oh, carry on, me and all my pictures, oh, carry on. I'm a fighter. With one too many a bruise The battles that I lose Have taught me one too many truths And the ones I ran away from Have worn away my shoes Oh, carry on I've been running far too long Carry on Me and all my cases me and all my songs, me and all my broken bridges, oh, carry on. Me and all I've broken, carry on. Me and all my cases, me and all my songs, me and all my curses, carry on. welcome then I'm always leaving never found a town that gave me ground to plant a seed in never found a sky that held a cloud that I believe in oh carry on I am nothing to believe in cases, me and all my songs, me and all my holy scriptures, oh, carry on, me and all that's holy, carry on, me and all my cases, me and all my songs, me and all my curses, carry on, Carry on, carry on, carry on. All right, we're back. I think that was amazing. Thank that you. was a really great song. Um, me and all my cases, or just all my all cases? My cases. All my cases. Um, and I really, we're ha here in the backyard. Uh, it's fall, it's autumn. And honestly, it was a perfect, <laughs> perfect, perfect atmosphere for that song. Yeah, man. Wow. Thank you for that. Thank that you. Really that, that's great. the freshest one. So it, I've um, been giving it some stage time okay. recently. It's a few weeks old. And I like it. So cool. that's why it felt like the most appropriate one to share here, especially as the one that we've just been talking about. That's that's on recording. So oh, okay. we'll give you the... That's exclusive great. Uh, oh, cool. preview of that. Oh, wow, um, that's great. So you I haven't recorded this one yet? This one, no. Okay, well, now you have, a, I think, a really good recording oh, of it. <laughs> brilliant. Well, I could um, yeah. do something could, with that. Yeah, well, I can no. send it to you. You that's can do whatever you want with it. No, nah, perfect. I'll leave it on the podcast, mate. This yeah. is uh, all yours. Yeah, no, but I mean, 
you know, I'll, obviously I'll put it on the podcast, yeah. but uh, <laughs> if you want to use it for whatever else, Thanks like so, so that you can have it independently of the podcast, if you want to share it to whoever, whatever. Thank you. Know. you. I will do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that's that's the first recording of this song. Cool. And um, I feel honored. Thank you, man. Thank you. Oh, thank you cool. for for inviting me on. Football on the field as well. That will be the first time this is that's publicly shared because it's out on November the seventh. Oh, okay. So um, I could also wait, let people wait for it, and then or, or a preview. We'll, we'll talk yeah. about it. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about, about that. <coughs> yeah, basically, we can either put the uh, football on the field at the end or or just hold off on it. It's up to you. We'll see. Yeah, yeah we well, can talk I'm about. Well, I was, you know, delighted to be November able to come here and and talk a bit about yeah. the project and about. Berlin art a bit and yeah. um, it's the first time I've been able to do that with this new project cool. so um, I think it's that's a perfect opportunity to, to give a snippet of that the new material the new recording and um, yeah thanks thanks for the opportunity yeah of course um, <coughs> I do have a couple of the questions go for it um, so this project Rookling has have you been doing it exclusively in the last 13 months in Berlin or did it start before that? It is a re essentially it's a renaming of of what I was already doing or maybe it was a first naming. I had a name before and that was Gem Kid and I'd chosen it because I just felt well I'm singing some songs on stage and I should have an artist name so that people can follow my shows the when I'm playing them and that was really when I was um, I'd never done any recordings before I was I'd never done a solo show before in my life and this was when this was, this was two and a half two three half. years ago and is Jem that's your that's actual name well, my, my full name's Jeremy but oh, okay. uh, everyone's ever called me Jem and then Jem Kid is the artist name or was, yeah it was, was exactly and, and that was um, a marker for the experimentations I guess I was doing before I really made the decision I want to spend more of my life on this I want to devote more of the time of the week to this and when it came to that which was um, after I left uni it became apparent to me that I that they never didn't that the name no longer suited me or that I didn't like it anymore simply that I'd gone off it and that I that it had marked out too many disparate things that I had done mm. and the more I decided on one direction that I wanted my solo singer-songwriter folk act to take um, the more I thought that that direction should have its own name mm. and that way maybe one day when I switch focuses and do something else maybe I'll pick a different name but Rookling feels more like a an independent project rather than just being another name for myself. And so that uh, that's why I chose that new name to really um, conc uh, what's the word? concretize. Um, make concrete, I would cement, just Cement, yes. Cement, cement. To cement. Cement. To tarmac um, this <laughs> new, this, this, this one uh, focus direction. Okay, so you're going to release this material as Rookling? Yes. Okay. So basically, it's not necessarily an artist name. It's almost even li it's like a band name or a project name, like Absolutely, you said. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah okay, that's cool. how I see it. And I'm I'm trying to build up a band. We'll see how that works. That would be cool. Yeah. Mm. Um, so Rookling, yeah. So and then you're releasing singles, or you're gonna do an album, or um, just for now singles. Okay. Yeah. I've got two in the bank. 
two record in spring, two more, uh, two more songs. Oh, okay, in 2020. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see how that goes, mm. early days. Very cool. Yeah, so what do you have planned for the rest of the day? I've got a friend. I think you mentioned Tom, this who one. is yeah. visiting from his ah, yes. uh, home in Birmingham. I knew him from right. university. We got through our German exams together. Okay. Um, and we have a lot of very nerdy in-jokes about um, Protestant literature from, Protestant the, from literature. the 1500s, um, which I won't share. Well, wha what do you mean by Protestant literature? Oh, as in like this is the, the, the period when Germany had just split from the Holy Roman Empire through Martin Luther and the literature was um, sort of trying to indoctrinate people in with, with Protestant values rather than the dominant Catholic values mm. at the time. So it was when it, back when it was really edgy to be evangelical, you know, mm. really uh, revolutionary. Yeah. Um, it's not the most exciting thing to study or talk about, but it, um, it has its interests. Well, I mean, yes. yeah, it's definitely interesting. Yeah. And so... You feel a connection between the Lutherism, Lutheranism of Germany. Uh, uh, you feel a connection between that and, like, Protestantism in England, or oh, I mean, I, I'm interesting. sure that there is a connection. Yeah, um, basically rejecting Rome, <laughs> right? Well, they came out of different places. I feel like Germany <coughs> was a bit more honest about, you know, they they rejecting Rome because of certain injustices, whereas Henry VIII inject, rejected Rome because he wanted to screw another woman, who wasn't his wife. But um, I was, so I was born in Switzerland and my, part of my family background is from Switzerland because that's where my dad grew up, where my parents met. And that was the first church community I was part of. And then in England, we were always part of um, a church community. So that's been a very important part of my upbringing. Um, would, Protestant. You, would you consider yourself religious? or No longer. Oh, okay. But I did for a very long time mm. and very earnestly. Mm. And that included an insight into both English and uh, German speaking, let's say, so more, more Swiss, um, but German speaking Christianity. Mm. Um, I don't think there's any really significant differences between them. But what I do still notice when I go around church communities in, in Berlin today, I have some dealings with them. For example, I played at a certain church the other day who will just ask local artists to play. And we've got some old friends from the Basel days, from the Switzerland days, um, who run a chapel. And these are really wonderful family-like communities who are welcoming and stand up for the right things, like good hospitality and good social justice. Um, I think I have a greater impression of that happening in the Swiss and German communities I've come across over the over the years but i've had f l more shallow dealings with them as well um mm. that is more of a complicated picture in england mm. and the usa i imagine well yeah i i'm a you know uh born as a catholic you know raised as a basically part-time catholic but um yeah part-time catholic part-time mm, what do you do in your free time yeah that's a good question um, in those days, yeah, I couldn't really say, but uh, re like religiously, no, it was, it was more like I was just not interested. Yeah. Uh, now I'm an atheist, so yeah, you know, pretty much uh, like a fundamentalist atheist. Except right. no, not a fundamentalist. <laughs> no, 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 because then that means I'm like willing to do anything for atheism, yeah. which I'm not. 
I guess I would say hmm, militant is also absolutist. Mm, not even. It's more like um, I am a true believer right. in atheism. A true non-believer. No, true believer. Right, right. But you know, <laughs> and that's you know a matter of uh, perspective, I guess. Mm. Um, would you consider yourself a humanist? I mean, it's such an old word. I don't know what that means anymore. Uh, if I ever knew what it meant, a humanist meaning someone who cares about the welfare of others, yeah. Right. But beyond that, I couldn't say that I'm a humanist. Well, I think the the, the movement of humanism mm. is an attempt to collect people around a set of values that is distinctly not religious. Okay. And so they, they, they stand up for things like um, secularism, for example, mm. in, in Germany, where you have um, the church collecting taxes through the state. And where I got, I got a letter the other day saying, prove, prove that yep. you don't belong to your old church yeah. anymore. Or you have to pay a tax. Or you have to pay a tax. So that's the mixing of, of church and state, which you see in Germany and England. And so that's the kind of thing that the humanists stand against. Right. Well, I'm definitely against, you know, r religious matters getting confused with... Uh, state matters for mm. sure but um in terms of uh you know like america and protestantism shit <laughs> that's some crazy shit over there yeah i mean you got so many different things going on yeah yeah if, if anyone's listening um has has had an experience you know with with uh protest particularly protestants or evangelical episcopal um culture and particularly was young there's a funny podcast called good christian fun which is all about christian pop culture which comes from the usa so that's my dealings with with american christian culture mm. it is through the pop culture that you know <coughs> it was used as materials mm. in youth groups and stuff and it's a very funny old world mm. well i definitely don't support churches and religions but uh yeah i think uh, they do they could do some good things just like you yeah. know um a broken clock is at least right twice <laughs> a day and all that but you know and uh i don't want to get political but i do you know i'm not i don't su personally i don't support any of that stuff but uh mm. you know um i do support treating people good treating yeah. people well. well that's what i see a lot of um mm. especially in berlin so i say hats off to the to these berlin churches i'm seeing yeah, and they so this church uh does they invite local musicians oh yeah it was quite a strange one Where is i just it? turned Where is up it? Oh, it's in a hotel in Charlottenburg. And I just turned up and played one song before the whole service, one song after the sermon, and one song right at the end. Mm. And it was all quite nice but strange. Mm. But I got fed. Cool. And paid. Very cool. Fed handsomely, paid modestly, but, you know, it was three songs. Yeah. What did you, you get to eat? They They got some really extraordinary... French style baguettes, like yeah, sandwiches. because it's you know it's it's Charlottenburg, it's bourgeois. No, 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 just just the baguettes. I mean, just talking oh. about the bread itself oh. was that much better than any other bread that I've had in Berlin. Really? Well, the yeah. Germans for me are masters in bread, so it's because you're American, you're not French. <laughs> ah, well, the French are a little bit biased, I think, about bread because they think their bread is the best, and it's literally just because it's their bread. <laughs> I am looking, so actually, I'm looking at it objectively. I really do <laughs> like French bread, yeah, Italian yeah. bread. I love uh, pretty much all kinds of bread. Yeah, you know, Arab bread, uh, yeah. whatever. 
um, pita bread. Pizza is a sort of bread. Yeah. Um, you can agree so on that. Yeah. Well, I think what I find in Germany is that a lot of the bread is very good. So I like this very hearty bread as well. Um, like but it's very nuts and seeds. Yeah. It's amazing. That's great. But it's difficult to find it actually fresh, like actual mm. cooked from fresh. And so much of it, there's a lot of bread, a lot of good bread, but it, pretty much all of it is from frozen. Yeah, we and so the French baguette is not by law not allowed to be from frozen. Wow. I didn't which know makes that. it gives it a certain quality. What if you just say it's a French style baguette baguette? Then ah oh, then you can't get sued for for it, which is smart. Yeah. There's a bread place on my for here. Oh so yeah. you just walk up um from Hermannplatz and you just go straight to the canal and on my that's called my Yeah. And there's I think it's called bread station. Oh. That's a plug. Um you know maybe um should check that out because they are making only fresh bread and i Ooh. think it's also sourdough Ooh. so yeah. so i live in vedding and there's not much to be had in that mm. in that direction up there but near that my back Ufa area i will not give another plug to a place called beer tat which is turkish and they make um guzlamer and mm. burex and mm. things like that so fresh and amante so fresh Turkish uh, savory wares, mm. and they service a lot of the r sort of um, Turkish restaurants um, mm. around, and it's very, very good stuff. A lot of the Turkish places that serve uh, gözleme, which yeah. I only learned like last year, I, I learned about it last year. Um, they make it there, you know. They're all making it. They have the little drum, mm. this like metal, you know, grill, yeah. and they just spread the dough. It's not even dough. It's more like a, a batter. So yeah. it's so liquidy and thin, and they just pour it uh, around this circular uh, grill and uh, just make the gizlima fresh, and then they put all the toppings. And you know. Yeah, I guess it's like halfway between a crepe and a, and, um, a pizza bread. It's a yeah. very good thing. I would say one that's, the, that's accurate. The delightful discoveries that I've made in Berlin. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I never had it until I was here. No. Cool. So bread. Do you miss bagels from from, me, from a man from New York? That's that's a good question. I wouldn't say I miss them, oh. but there is. Yeah, I mean, the bagels here are not not the same. They're like, mm. I can't even explain it. They're just, <laughs> yeah, they're not as. Uh, I can't even describe. You sound like it. a French man. Yeah, right now. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to explain why why I would uh, prefer a New York bagel. I think it's just because New York bagels and and around also Jersey probably has good ba bagels. Upstate New York, Long Island. Mm. I think it's just uh, I don't know the 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 dough is just sort of more balanced. It's like chewy but soft. Like the ones here are just sort of like bread in the shape of a mm. bagel. Like white bread. In the Sh shape shall of we bagel? run a podcast, like analyzing the different, different kinds of bakeries bread. that, like, you know, go and finding out those those sweet spots? Actually, that's the market for that. I mean, maybe not just for bakeries, but I, <laughs> I have thought about doing like, um, like sort of a traveling drinker, traveling eater, like a food and drink sort of podcast where, you know, I visit places with a guest. Could be a uh, an artist or or any other kind of guest. And we just go and try a place and mm. talk about it. And yeah, I've Hit thought about up. that. Yeah, it could be good. I've got a great passion for sort of fresh things, things yeah, like food. proper food, you know, yeah, a big sure. snob about 
where the food's come from. There's a place around the corner from me which does their own beer, and it's heaven. Is and it they do pretzels Vagabond? and stuff. Um, no, but that has also been mentioned. What's uh, Eschenboy? Oh, yeah. never heard of it. Shit. Hit me up. Yeah, I gotta. <laughs> I also want to do a beer podcast. I have a okay. couple guys that I want to talk to. One of the guys from Hopfenreich, you know. I've heard of it. Yeah, that's in in uh, um, Kreuzberg. Mm. And like right near Skalitzer Strasse and uh, what is that area? Yeah, yeah it's Schlesisches like, Tor. Yeah, stuff, so that's like party area. In that area, yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Actually, it's on, uh, oh my God, what's the name of that street? Uh, Wrangelstrasse. Yes. Yeah. It's like right at the end, basically. And they have a really nice corner there and the atmosphere is great. The architecture inside, you know, the interior design is great and they have amazing beer. Nice. Just the freshest beer you can get. That is not, you know, Pilsner. Yes. You know, just like yeah. Pilsners all the time. Well, that sounds great. Yeah. Um, I've I've been very impressed by German pub culture, actually, because I thought, I thought from my earlier travels that nothing could replace in my heart the, the English pub experience. And I've been um, consoled by, by the German pubs. And my favorite place, and I'll give a shout out to this, is the Kinderstuben, where every Sunday night there is... Um, the most vibrant community of musicians, um, acoustic musicians, mostly oh, wow. instrumentalists, uh, with a lot of diversity, really good quality, um, and a lot of my friends, which is why I'd be so nice about them. Um, so that's every night, every Sunday night at eight, and that that's my, that's the place to open up Berlin for me. Really? And they do very good spätzle and beers. Uh, spätzle, my wife loves that. Um, I, I also enjoy it, but uh, yeah, I guess more cheese, is good. Mm, I like the yeah, cheesy yeah. ones. Yeah, that is a good Käsespätzle. Yeah. Um, so that's linked my my passions for sort of a, a big old pint and a and a good song. Yeah. So what what would you say is the difference between English pub culture and Berlin bar culture? I feel like it's quite different. And just yes. a note on Berlin bars and stuff. I mean, in the last six years, which I've been here six years. You know, things have changed quite a lot. Um, they've always had here and there some really good places for cocktails. And then, of course, you know, the bi the typical German Kneipe, mm -hmm. you can always get, like, nice cold beer, which is, but it's always, again, you know, the same kind of beer. So to me, they're only just getting, they're only just breaking the ice, breaking uh, the, you know, going to the next level with beer. Mm. And um, I really like what Germans are doing with beer. They're doing all the, you know, non-German styles now, you know. Yeah. Ales, pale ales, you know. And they're doing, like, new versions of traditional German beers as well, like Weisse. Yeah. Um, even Pilsners and Lagers there, you know. See, I'm... What what takes the place in my heart for me is, is not the quality of the beer because I can't say that my local in, in my little village does amazing beer. Mm. There's a lot of brewing in England, but you know it, it's. I don't need a place to be um, innovative brewers for me to enjoy it. For me, it's the community aspect, which mm. you don't get in some of the countries. Sometimes, mm. sometimes bars are just um, you know places where you just go to gamble or just go to sit on your own and drink. And um, for me, it's the history of the place, and I think with that comes a certain aesthetic to it, which is nice as well. So. It, for me, German bars, I associate with candles and very sparse decoration, mm. not in a um, sort of 
San Francisco hipster way, like a minimalism with a capital M, but in a um, in just a a frugal way. Mm. Um, English pubs are a lot more cozy, carpets, uh, dogs, and um, you know things plastered all over the ceilings and the walls. Um, but German pubs, they they play a similar role in bringing a community together and being open to um, arts and groups. Mm. I remember fondly being in um, being an, an Oxford pub where they would put on open mic nights, which is kind of my end of things, but also um, session nights for Irish folk music and Scottish reels and uh, sea shanties. Uh, there was a sea shanty night. Was it like a sort of sailor music sailor music mm. literally sailing music and it was a very weird and slightly alarming thing to to witness but actually um they had their corner mm. and i joined in a bit and they were very welcoming and that was what the pub is for yeah, that's something public house right exactly yeah. so that's something which i look for in a pub mm. before i look for amazing beer mm. have you been to like a regular berliner kneipe do you know what those are Yes, yes. Usually they're smoking inside. Yes. Yeah, yeah I've been to a few. Yeah. Um, and a few that have been uh, throat. Some of them are a bit um, anti, anti-Neuberliner. So they're, they're, oh. again, they're, they're not so keen on the influx of foreigners, of which I'm obviously a part. And some of them keep that spirit of openness yeah. and Germanness at the same time. Yeah. Uh, those are the ones that I appreciate. Like I've actually never gone into a kneipe where I didn't feel like I was welcome, mm. by the, even by the sort of stoic bartender. You know, they don't have to give you a smile, but yeah, you know, they're not giving a smile to anyone anyway. Yeah, then so. it's not the same congenial <coughs> hospitality and politeness that you yeah. get in in England. You Germans, go there, they you get used to that. Um, I definitely have gotten used to it because um, I'll go into almost any of these any any kneipe you know, depending where I am. And if I feel like, you know, I want to either have a drink with a friend or, you know, I'll feel very comfortable going inside. But I guess there is this foreigner in me, which, you know, I still am a foreigner here, um, yeah. which, and I always will be. Yes. Some Something in the back of my head that says, oh, you know, that's a kneipe. It's not a hipster bar with the candles and stuff like that. Which I consider, if, it's right. a, if it has candles, it's definitely a hipster bar. <laughs> um, it, today, anyway. Um, I... I still have something in the back of my head where I'm like, well, you m just go inside, check it out, see if the vibe is good. And, you know, if it's, if, if the bartender at least, you know, answers your question or s just doesn't like throw some, I don't know. I don't know what they would, how they would announce the fact that they're like against foreigners, but <laughs> I would just check out the vibe. And every time I've done that, it's, it's always been good. Mm. Yeah. And then you end up, going to the back room or into the to another room and you'll find out okay there's a bunch of foreigners here yes but i live in nakon <laughs> so vetting might be a little different i mean there's plenty of foreigners in, in oh, vetting yeah. but i feel like here in 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 this area near hermannplatz forget it it's the most international yes uh part of berlin i think that's even some there's some statistics about that but i love this area yeah it's pretty cool so yeah yeah lots of stuff uh coming up i mean beers gastronomy hospitality yeah that's that's actually where i left off with the podcast not like on on the podcast i think i might have mentioned it a bunch of times but i still i still haven't done any of those series but 
for nice. sure. I'm going to start with beer because that's probably the closest uh, to my heart in yes. terms of drinks. <laughs> beer, beer is just the perfect drink. I mean, yeah. y- you don't have to make it, so it beats cocktails, right? You don't have to, <laughs> you just have to open the bottle, right? Wine, you know, could be hit or miss because uh, even a good vintage could produce, you know, a, a variety in the bottles that you might taste it and be like, oh, that wasn't as good as the last time I had this exact same vintage, you know, mm. the same brand, everything. But beers just seem to be so um, consistent. I don't know. I'm, that's I'm my religion. That's, that's your religion. Beer is my. You, have you seen these these stickers uh, around Berlin? That says beer is my yoga. Oh yes, I have seen that. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I don't know who <laughs> does that, but uh, that's something you engage with. Yeah, for sure. Cool, man. So, do you have any other uh, stuff that you want to talk about about mu- your music, work, uh, projects, so on? No, no? I'm, I'm looking okay. forward to um, being part of m- part of more things like this. Maybe making cool. my own, maybe making some sort of media outlets in in print online um i'm all about bringing people uh together as a community rather than just making my music and and letting that glorify me you know yeah. it doesn't have a meaning for me and it wouldn't motivate me as much if it was just about that yeah. so so you're um, not that vain i'm not i well i you're want everyone else to be so vain, vain with me yeah right, exactly, exactly yeah, yeah. yeah you're not so vain that uh you you know don't see the obvious value in an audience in a community that you know all has the same sort of uh i don't viewpoint i guess mm, well mm. I, I i'm i want to be excellent mm. and i want that to be shared and i want other people to be excellent i want yeah. the people that surround me to be excellent exactly. i want to take part in excellent uh movements and projects and um try my hand at that myself so that I'm not only always the person who is showcased right. um, but that I can also uh, put together things in you know platforms and, and uh, publications maybe in which other people can be uh, celebrated as well so that's where I'm heading at the moment as well as um, kicking off this whole Rookling project. Very cool and uh, I'm always open for collaboration so if you ever need any tips on your own podcast or any other technical shit just let me know I, you know we can possibly do something thanks so much yeah man so meet you in Eschenbroi yeah or in um, there was a couple of places that we talked about so yeah we don't have to go through all of them but <laughs> um, food drink all that yeah. stuff yeah great a lot to see in Berlin a lot to discover and thanks again for being here man thank you Steve appreciate it that's another handshake right another there. handshake right at the end Thanks, guys, for listening. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you want to keep up with uh, Jem and his work on the Rookling Project, you can go to rooklingmusic.com. Check him out on Spotify as well. He's got a show coming up in Leipzig on the 15th, and I believe a secret show, I'm not sure where it is, on the 19th of December. Those are my words, not his. I I just don't know where it is. Uh, so December 15th in Leipzig and there's uh, some another show on December 19th I'll find out more about that all these links you can find in the show description the show notes of this episode of Voices from the Dark thanks again for listening people goodbye